0: Well, if you want to open your Bibles, if you've brought your Bible alone, I, I encourage you to uh, bring your Bibles, even though Susie is so gracious to put it up on the screen. I know some of you, like, you know, if you're in one place and then another, it's too much. So, you know, you focus on the screen. That's fine. And I'm assuming that if you're checking your phone, you're really reading the Bible app. Uh, speaking of which, I just downloaded a new one this week. It was pretty cool. It's called Bit Bible. It forces me to read the Bible every time I open my phone, one verse at a time. So, um, I'm already like in Genesis chapter six and I put it on like the other day and it's just, every time I read one verse, sometimes I read a few, few extra cause I want to get through it more. You know, that's kind of like a supplementary reading. Like I'm still reading other passages in the scripture, obviously, but it's kind of like, oh, like a good way to move things along and r- remind yourselves of how good God's word is. So it's called Bit Bible. If you want to try it out, there's other things that I've done in the past, like, uh Daily Audio Bible is one that I would recommend as well. You can get that in podcast format, and they read an Old Testament, a New Testament, a Psalm, and a Proverb every single day. And the Psalm and the Proverbs throughout the year, they go through it twice, because by the time you're done the Old Testament and the New Testament throughout the whole year, you can actually get through the Psalms and the Proverbs twice. So that was that's a really good one. It's called Daily Audio Bible. Those are good ways to get the Word in you, on a regular basis, if you're not someone who um, has the discipline to pick up your Bible and journal every morning, uh, those are good habits. I know a lot of you enjoy the daily bread as well, and of course, we as a church try to supply that for you at the back, uh, and that's another good way to get the Word into you, and uh, or just pick it up and read it. Just pick it up and read it. Joel was at Youth this weekend, and he was telling me, Dad, the youth pastor said, we should start reading the gospel of John. I was like, and I I probably shouldn't have said this, but I was like, yeah, your dad's told you that before. (laughs) But it might have to come from someone else sometimes. Anyways, we are in the book of Proverbs. We've moved from the book of Acts. And I think the Lord convicted me. I I mentioned this last week that that throughout the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit really moves. And one question that I've heard before is like, where's the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? And in the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, we see the Holy Spirit show up in the form of wisdom, wisdom personified. And so um, I read... I think I only got through the first seven verses last week. We're going to pick up in verse eight. And it's not my intention to read through the entire book like I normally do, because Proverbs is quite long and it might take me a long time. But here's the thing. I, I say that's not my intention, but I have a really, this is, this is something you'll find out about me. I have a really hard time skipping over anything, I actually, this week I was going to pick up in chapter two or chapter three, and I was looking at chapter two at chapter three. But I, I had to read the rest of chapter one first, and I was like, I can't do it. I can't skip this portion of scripture. There's there's so much in God's word that we could talk about that we need in us that I don't think it's worth skipping over. And and actually, verses eight to nineteen, which I'll read today, are kind of negative. And I love all of you and I don't want to bring you um, negative stuff, but also I don't want to be the type of preacher um, who just preaches only the good stuff without warning you about the bad stuff. Like that's not a good pastor either, right? Like the pastor comes from the word shepherd. The shepherd's supposed to watch out for the flock. And Jesus even warns that sometimes there's going to be wolves in sheep's clothing. And so for me as a pastor, yeah, I want to build you up. I want to encourage you. I want you to leave this place with, we talk often about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, and peace. You know, our church's um, slogan is to live and love like Jesus. That gives you the feels, that makes you feel good about yourself. People come into the church and they say, oh, we felt love." Even um, Deborah was telling us at prayer meeting that Hans's family felt loved when they were here just for a funeral. And that's wonderful stuff. But I'll be honest with you, I, I feel convicted if I don't say, "Hey, watch out, church." It's not all rainbows and lollipops and unicorns, as my girls would say, because they love those things. They love rainbows and unicorns and 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 lollipops. They love those things. but but as a as a father, similar to like a pastor, a father needs to take care of his family. And I need to warn my children that, hey, It's an ugly world out there sometimes. I don't know about you, but I've been paying attention to the news probably more than I like to normally because of what's happening in the Middle East. And yeah, there's part of me that likes to pay attention because of Bible prophecy. And I wonder if this is kind of some of the prophecies being fulfilled. And and to be honest with you, I'm not studied enough to comment on that. I listened to some preaching and they, they do a great job preaching about those things. And they definitely can connect some of the scriptures to what's happening in the Middle East and specifically in Israel and Jerusalem. But I don't feel like I know enough to tell you specifically about those things. But what I will say is this, I do feel as though it's important for us when things like that happen When people, when terrorists go into a country and intentionally murder civilians, and then the backlash is bombing, and unfortunately, other civilians are the casualty, like there should be something for us as Christians which troubles us. Yeah, it's not in our country, but we can look there and we should, as lovers of Jesus, love humanity. No matter which side we see, like of course you see in the media, people taking sides, right? Pro-Palestine or pro-Israel. And, and as Christians, yeah, we see Israel in the Bible. And so we want to kind of look at how Israel plays as God's chosen people of the Old Testament. How does that play in the New Testament into New Testament theology? And I'll remind you, as Christians, we become God's chosen people. But I also look at that and I think, God also loves the Palestinians. And yet then I see people people on both sides starting to build words of hate. And, and, and so I'm watching this and I'm reading the scriptures and I'm saying, I believe the Lord is telling me to warn us to guard our hearts from being pulled in whether it be by the media, whether by enticing people. See, here's the problem we have as Christians sometimes. We think because we have encountered Jesus once that we are now in a position that we will never be duped by anyone ever again. I'm on the good side. I, I pick King Jesus. He's the winner. He's gonna protect me from any um, situation where I might be deceived. And to some degree, if we continually trust in Jesus, Jesus is truth and he will guide us into all truth. And so there is protection there, but we still need to be on our guard. Are we truly following Jesus or are we following man who will easily deceive us? I don't wanna put up, ask you to put up your hand, but how many of you actually i know all of your hands would go up i know it we so- had someone this past year try to scam you in some way. I, I know it's happened and I know that you could pull up your phone and you get a phone call probably later today from some Chinese person and good thing you don't speak Chinese. So you cancel that. But guess what? Sometimes they call in English and they're very, they're very convincing. Right. And people get duped by people all the time. And you know what that tells me is that, Hey church, we want to believe because people are created in the image of God that they're all good. But the Bible actually says the opposite. It says we are not all good. Actually, it says we're all sinners, and we all could fall prey to the enemy. That the enemy is like a lion, looking who he can devour. He's looking for us, who we can devour. And at times, we have all been devoured at sometimes by thing by the enemy who ch- tries to steal steal from us. That might be our finances. Kill. Now, you might say kill. Well, hold on. Jesus even compared murder to hating your brother, that if you even have a form of hate in your heart, that Jesus says that that's equal to murder in the eyes of God because he's trying to reveal the sin where it starts from. The root of that murder is hate. And so steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy's plan is. And we can all fall victims to the prey of the enemy. Where he actually gets his ugly talons on us. I I I I I look at you, my church, and I think, yeah, but you guys, you're the good ones, right? And you won't fall for that. Well, then I remember taking my first church and 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 lovely church people, and they told me of a time where um, a cult came through. The, the community now. I pat my first church was in Cloyne, so when when they say come through, there's like one road, so so they literally drove up the road. But what they did was they went and they targeted the youth, and this cult was called the Children of God. And the idea of this cult was that, and I've I've since learned more about this cult by because I. Your pastor's a little weird. I like researching all kinds of weird stuff. Sometimes I get down a rabbit trail. And one time I got down a rabbit trail of different cults and this cult called the children of God. They believe that God just lets everyone have, um, I'm just going to say it, free sex with anyone. There's no rules, no boundaries. And yet they do it in the name of God and in a form of religion. And so they came in to the church and pulled youth out of the church. And they enticed them and they got them to leave. And, um, when I learned more about now, this happened in, in in my church, in my previous church. But I never saw the 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 victims of that cult. I never. It was kind of like something that happened twenty years ago, and they were telling me that this had happened at one point. Well, and then I since had listened to, to some podcasts where some of these things happened, and not just that cult, but I've listened to about other cults too. And you know, you think you're above that, but the Bible says, "Watch out." all of you when you think that you're above someone else because that's when you're more likely to fall. We need to be aware of how the enemy tries to entice us, entice our children, entice our family members, and it looks alluring in the moment. The devil doesn't give you the end picture. See, you think about it, how what God does, God actually does the opposite. He gives us the end picture and he doesn't give us the, the immediate gain. He says, Hey, I want you to trust me in the end. We win in the end. There's the kingdom of God and eternity in heaven with Jesus in the end. There's love, joy, peace, and happiness in the end. But it, Right now, you might have to suffer. Right now, you're going to go through tribulations. Right now, you're, this, this, this world is not ours. It actually belongs to the enemy. The enemy says the opposite. I'll give you the world. I'll give you pleasure. I'll give you everything you want. Just come. You'll make a quick buck. You'll be happy right now. Pleasure will be at your disposal right now, but with no promise of where you'll be in the end. You see how the flip side happens? And so for people who are desperate, people who who feel like they, they just need something right now, they are more prone to fall trap to the enemy. I'll be honest, most people fall victims to cults when there is a significant life change. So people have a loved one pass away. Now they're open to changing their life entirely. Someone has a divorce. They're willing to go and try something new. They're estranged from their family. They get into a serious accident. These types of situations open people up to search for things where their hearts are now prey to the enemy and the enemy comes along. It's interesting because I was just praying my pastoral prayer that our hearts would be open to the Lord. And so we do, as Christians, want to be vulnerable. We do want to be open. We do want God to come in, but we have to do it with wisdom with the Holy Spirit. God helps us discern, I talked about this last week, discern the difference between knowing if we're falling prey to the enemy or for following his will. But we need to sharpen those skills. We need to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. And so let's, let's pick up in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8 it says listen my son to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching they are a garland to the grace your head uh sorry they are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck and so these are these are beautiful Imagery here: a chain uh, to grace your head, and uh, oh, sorry, around your neck, and a garland around your head. So these are like um, flowers. You know, we we took our girls out um, to a park this year, and we put flowers in their head so that they would feel pretty. And 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 you know, a chain around your neck. Joel wins uh, a race, and they put a medal around him, and he feels proud. He won uh, cross country this past week, and so he gets a medal, and he feels proud. And so, what is it saying here in the scriptures? It's saying when you listen to your your father's instructions. Now we believe Solomon wrote this and he's writing to his children and he's saying, Hey, listen to your mother, listen to your father and they will make, they are like making you beautiful. You should desire these like wanting to get dressed up for a big event. That's how much you should want them. You ever get, you know, like when you're going to a wedding, where you're going to a, a, a party, you want to look good, right? Hopefully some of you, when you come to church, you put on some de- deodorant so that, you know, you smell nice when you come here and you're not putting off people that they don't want to sit next to you in church. You know, you get ready, you, you anticipate things, you know, to happen. And so you want to prepare. Well, the scripture is saying, Hey, when you listen to your father's instructions, you should have that des- same desire, that same anticipation that you show up and you get something. Here, here's here's my concern is that we know that children for a certain time will, listen, you got a certain amount of time that your children will be in your house. Uh, my, my theory is around the age of 12 or so, between the ages of 1 or 12, they really value what you tell them. Now, Joel's 12 now, and I think he still values some of what I tell him, but now he tells me, oh, dad, that's enough. You know, like he's starting to tell me that, right? And I know that there's going to be a season now that I have where I he has to test my instructions. And I say that I have to let him fail a little bit from my instructions. Like, I'm going to tell you, Joel, you got to do it this way, but then I can't make him because here's the problem. This is what I believe is that if he doesn't learn how to listen to instructions and he just does it because I force him to do it. What's going to happen between 12 and 18. And then he's now going off to college and he's only done it because I've made him do it. See, I want him to, as the book of Proverbs says here, listen, I want him to listen. And there's a difference between being forced to do something and listening. And I'll tell you this, Christianity is a unique religion different than even the old Testament Judaism or Islam or some of these other religions where it's a rule based religion. Now people think Christianity is a rule based religion, but what I believe as the old Testament prophesies about the new Testament is that the God writes his rules on our heart, which means we gain instructions and we have the choice to fulfill the Lord's instructions or not to. And we So seeds that bear fruit, either good fruit, as Jesus would say, or bad fruit, and we'll know each other by the fruit that we bear. And so when we're listening to instructions, there's no, your pastor's not going to come knocking on your door and say, hey, hey, Doug. Where you been? What's been going on? You're living a life that's contrary to the scripture. Like if we do that, I'm going to be honest with you. If we do that, it's only for the protection of the church and to help our brother so that he doesn't stumble and fall. It's not, it's not because that's how we gain God's favor. That's not how Christianity works. There's freedom to follow the Lord's instructions. So verse 10 says, my son, if a sinful man, if sinful men entice you, do not give in. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill up our houses with plunder, cast lots with us. We will share all the loot. My son, do not go with them. Do not set foot on their path for their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. So there's a few things that I see here. One is it doesn't often go down like this, right? Like how often does someone come along and say, hey, let's go get those guys, right? Normally there's some sense of justice or revenge. You know, I always thought that Robin Hood was a terrible story to tell, tell kids. You know, like, what did Robin Hood do? He stole from the rich to give to the poor. Like, okay, no, that's not God's plan for us. Like, I understand there's a sense of justice when you say we're going to steal from the rich to give to the poor. Because the poor often feel like they've been wronged in some kind of way. So they need to go after. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't say, hey, you need to find a way to get even. And and, and the other thing that I see in this scripture is that the men who try to entice people want to do it quickly. It says here, my son, do not go along with them. Do not set their foot on their paths for their feet rush. They rush into evil. And they are swift. They rush and they are swift to shed blood. And so here, if you ever have people trying to entice you to do something, maybe they won't say specifically, hey, let's go get those guys. Let's steal from them or let's kill. We as good Christians, if someone told us to, we're going to go steal or kill or something like that, we'd say, oh, no, 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 no. But the problem is sometimes there's schemes that are disguised in ways that sound like they're good to us. Hey, come, we're just going to go do this. And we're going to go maybe do something that sounds like it's justice. Steal from the rich, give to the poor. We're going to get even. We're going to make sure they pay for what they've done wrong. You ever hear people talk like that? There's a sounding of good in that. But what happens here is they want to do it quickly. And anytime people try to persuade you to do something where you don't even have the time to pray and seek the Lord, I would tell you, don't do it. Actually, if you look at the prophet Samuel in the Old Testament, He said to King Saul, wait, I need to pray for the Lord before we go into battle. And King Saul got into trouble. Why? Because he rushed into battle. He didn't seek the Lord. And when he sought the Lord, he did it in his own way so that he can speed things up and move things along. And so church, there is nothing wrong with waiting. I'll be honest with you. Even Amy Beth and I are kind of in a place like that. Amy Beth's been seeking a job and there've been many kind of enticing situations where it looks like she's going to have a job within the next week and they sound all good and she's excited, but then they fall through. And I tell her, we have to believe just because it didn't work out in our time, that God's timing is perfect and this isn't where, us, where you should be. We have to believe that God is not, he is the God of all time. He doesn't, he's not in a hurry. God is never in a hurry. And yet we so quickly want things to move so quickly. And and when we're in such a hurry to, to, to move forward, often that's when the enemy takes advantage of our desire to just move things along, to have a quick solution. Now, I also think we could procrastinate. We can be lazy. In the book of Proverbs, we'll talk about that and we'll get there when we get there. But for today, I see these words, uh, of their feet rush into evil, and they are swift to shed blood. There's a there's a hurriedness about people who try to entice you to do evil. Verse seventeen says, "How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it." These men lie, lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. What's he saying there? Listen, when you see people who are trying to have these types of schemes that look like they're moving along too quick and, and it needs to happen fast, those people are only hurting themselves. They're only hurting themselves. They're ambushing Only themselves, the scripture is telling us. And so when you get into partnership with people who have, who are their schemes, maybe they like to bend the rules. I even remember having a young man who was a friend of mine who said, well, I'm working for someone under the table. And I'm like, he doesn't, so he's not paying, you're not paying any taxes. He's like, yeah, he doesn't want to pay me that way. I said, well, he's doing that to avoid paying taxes himself. I said, I, I tried to tell this young man, um, this isn't good in the long run. It might, like, short term, it might look like, oh, that's okay. But eventually, if he got found out, you'd be without a job. He could be in serious trouble. The government can come after him and his money. And they might even look into you. Do you want that? Like, I don't know if you've ever been audited. It's not fun, you know, to have your finances looked at by the government. And so, again, sometimes people want to do things quickly, but they only want. Hurt themselves. Verse 19. Such are the paths of those who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. What happens is they become consumed with their schemes, with their plots. If, it, if it's against another person, it's like if you've ever met someone who needs to get revenge, they, they just get consumed with the thoughts of that person and how to get even against that person. Or if someone owes them money, oh, I need to get that money back from that person. And their thoughts become, cons- their, their life is no longer their own life. Their life becomes about the people who did them wrong. And so the, the scripture is trying to warn us here to not even engage with those people to begin with because it's a trap that will lead you to a point where your life is no longer your own life. It becomes consumed with the issues of others. Jesus even warns us about these types of traps in Matthew chapter 10. It says, Matthew chapter 10, verse 20, 21. It says, brother will betray brother to death and father, his children, children will rebel against their own parents and have them put to death. You will be hated because of me but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Those are two verses there. And I read them because I remember as I was preparing the sermon, I remember how Jesus said these words. And we as Christians often think, I I won't fall prey to this, this scam. I won't fall prey to needing to find revenge on my enemies. I won't feel like I'm going to get caught up in a cult or, or uh a situation where it might hurt me, but then but then I remember Jesus saying, even brother will betray brother because of my name's sake. So if we think we can't get caught up in these, you have to realize that these issues even divide families. People are pulled away from families, even the point where in that verse it says that they'll want to put them to death. And then it and then he says but he who endures to the end will be saved. So what that's telling me is even leading up to the time of Jesus, like we all like to think that the world might be getting better, but sometimes we don't know. Some people either say it's getting better or sometimes it's getting worse. But then I remember that Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun uh, and men's hearts are, are, are deceitful. And, and the reality is when I'm reading Genesis on my bit Bible, it's telling me uh, that God flooded the world because their hearts were only continually evil in Genesis chapter six, it says that. And so it's been pretty bad in the, in the beginning. And it's can be pretty bad. Now, when we look at things that are happening, like in the middle East, the reality, Jesus says it will continue to be bad until the end brother will betray brother even in Jesus name and so he, why do i warn that because church sometimes we insulate ourselves with christian culture where we start assuming that everybody's got our good intentions in mind and don't get me right wrong I want our church to be a place where we protect each other, where we do have each other's intentions in mind. I know that when you guys have been in situations where people have wronged you, we try to stand up for each other. We try to help each other out when we're going through hard times. That's beautiful. But we need to recognize that we are not above being deceived. I mean, we've got a dozen children out there right now. And I, as father of a lot of them, want to say, I would be very happy and thankful if you guys, as the church, you know, we we do these dedications. We just had Everly this year, you know, where she's puked all over the stage. But besides the puke all over the stage, we stood up and we said, we are going to support the this family. We're going to support this family in raising Everly and the rest of them in 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 the Lord, right? And part of that is when our children go astray or when it looks like they might be enticed, we're going to need each other to step in. Like I'm telling you already, Joel's starting to see like, okay, dad, all right, dad, like, you know, where it's a little bit of an edge to it and I don't want to listen to you, dad. Well, guess what? I'm going to need some of you to come along and say, no, actually your dad's right in this circumstances because I can't tell him I, I'm going to need other people to tell them, right? And But this is, the, this is the culture that we can create where we're not above it, but we watch out for each other. We stand guard together. We used to sing songs like Onward Christian Soldier, right? Where we have this, this battle mentality. I know we try not to go there too often because it, some people are traumatized when they think of war. But the reality is we need to consider ourselves in a spiritual battle to protect each other from being deceived by the enemy, because we love each other because we, and for those who have children and some of you have children who have been deceived by the world. And some of you can remember times where you were deceived and brought into a trap by the world and you regret it. And hopefully you learn from it. Right. And some of you are in situations even right now where you're like, okay, I'm paying for this mistake that I made. And, and we need to pray and believe that God sees what we're going through and he gives us the Holy Spirit, not only to um, be aware, to not get pulled into these traps, but also how do we make it through together? How do we support each other? How does the Holy Spirit encourage us to love when we see our church family, our friends or even a neighbor or enemy being pulled in by and trapped by the enemy? How does the Holy Spirit help us to warn, to warn? There's an Old Testament prophet that always um, kind of made me nervous. I believe it was Ezekiel. And he talks about how if we, as the church or the Old Testament prophets, he was actually talking about, do not blow the shofar, which was the warning battle cry, then the blood of the innocent people would be on their hands. So you can imagine a battle's about to take place. There's watchmen on the wall. They had this thing called the shofar, which was a ram's horn that was hollowed out so that they can blow into it, announce to everyone, the enemy's here, protect yourself, right? You can envision that type of scenario. Ezekiel says, if the watchman doesn't blow, if he falls asleep on his watch and doesn't blow the horn, the blood is on the watchman's hands. You understand that? And so here I can just envision us. We are are the fortress of God. We sing songs about this all the time, that, that the Lord is our strong fortress. He protects us. But here we are his watchman. And if we see any of our fellow brothers and sisters about to come pray to an attack, we need to blow the horn and say, watch out. The enemy's after you and use the Holy Spirit. Use wisdom so that we can get through these circumstances. We can protect each other. We can stand firm. And, and I believe as we're going to go into prayer right now, I believe that prayer is one of the best ways that we can do, we can do this. I've, as a pastor, have sometimes had to confront people about the enemy attacking someone and them falling prey to a situation. And sometimes people don't want to listen. And so what we have to do is pray. And I say, I, you might not want to hear this. I'm going to tell you, I think what you're getting involved in is not of God. I, I remember specifically a, f- a friend of mine who was involved in the Free, Freemasons. And if you're aware of Freemasonry, it, it is very cult-like. And, and there are some elements that are, I would believe are demonic. And so I was warning him about the Freemasons. And he didn't want to hear anything about it. But I said, hey, as your pastor, can I at least pray for you? And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And um, I actually had left the church um, and come here. And I found out after the fact, he had left the Freemasons and he's now just following the Lord and doesn't feel like he needs to be involved in that. So prayer is powerful. We need to continue to pray, pray for our children, pray for each other, and believe that the Lord can rescue us when the enemy tries to lie in wait to trap us. So let us pray. Yes. Uh, do you have the, the... Oh, it's right there.
1: Um, so, uh, okay. This this sermon, thank you for speaking today because this sermon has spoken thousands of words to me. Um, I, uh, in September, not everybody knows, but some people do, uh, I fell victim to a scam. It was a job scam. And uh, uh, Lots of money <laughs> went, and uh, and I, I didn't do the prayer. I I, I was in a rush, and um, seriously, everything just said it, amazing. Um, and I, I I think I could have done the the whole. Um, I, I was upset. I was angry. I was angry with myself, and um, I we 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 were in such a predicament that we did reach out to our community. and um, our community, Kempville, our our amazing Kempville community, came out to help us where we needed it. Our church came out where we needed it. and um, and instead of being in that uh, headspace of of being angry and revenge, I um, have really come to a point where I want to give back. And even though we don't have a lot, um, I want to give back to our community because I think that in this time, I've realized how good people are and truly how good people are. And I'm just, I'm so thankful to the Lord right now because um even though we're going through struggles and times of trials this whole situation has been actually a blessing and um so talking about Deb's thankfulness and then Thomas's sermon thank you both for for today so thank you
0: well i it's hard to confess when you go through stuff like that, it's, uh, I know. Cause when I've had to make similar confessions, especially in front of my church family, where I might've done something that I shouldn't have, it's difficult. But, um, I want to tell you, Melissa Hartley, the Lord is gracious. He's compassionate. He loves you. He forgives you for walking into steps that maybe you shouldn't have walked into. And, um, he, his desire is that the Holy spirit would lead and guide you through this time and that you would learn and grow in him through this time. So let's, let's pray, and not just for Hartley Melissa, but for all of us to learn those lessons. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Proverbs. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you see everything, and you know when we are walking in a path that might seem more dangerous. You know when our hearts are in a position where maybe we're more likely to be a victim because we, we need help and, and, and we're willing to take whatever help, even if it's help from the enemy. Or when we're just feeling like we need some instant gratification, we need, we need to hurry and, 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 and make this situation feel better now. And yet, Lord, you are so patient and kind and you wait and you, you tell us that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And you're there with your grace and your loving arms to say, just, just come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so, Lord, thank you for Melissa's confession today. I pray for Melissa and Harley. I pray that, um, Lord, you would just be with them I thank you that they're encouraged today, how you have already moved in their lives. But we pray that you would continue not only to help them, but to help all of us, to protect us from situations where we might rush into a situation that might look good, but is ultimately not of you and is of the enemy. Help us to not live in fear either, Lord, because you don't want us to be afraid. But what you do want us to do is to trust you. So, Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, that I trust you, that I would trust you more. When my financial situation is struggling, Lord, help me trust you. When my relationships are struggling, help me trust you when I feel like I've been wronged and I have a sense of my own justice needing to come about, Lord, help me trust you that you are the God of all justice. Lord, this is faith is is trusting in you. And so Lord, I thank you that we can come to you in these circumstances. And I, and I really, truly, Lord, I thank you for your word, which, which is this warning to us and help us as a community. just warn each other and love each other. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.